What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is Brooklyn rapper Curly Castro. We spoke about The Heart of They Fall, The Art of Autourism, Eternals, Dune, Spike Lee, the journey from being a hype man to becoming a rapper, his work with members of The Wrecking Crew, the creative process behind his latest album, Little Robert Hutton, and all things Marvel Cinematic Universe. Come fuck with us. We, this is, we about to have an argument, so we might as well start agreeing. Like <laughs> me and you no, about to have an argument. So what? What about what? Are we, what are we about to argue about? Probably a combination of Eternal, Shang Chi, and other things. One things being better than others and being wrong. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's go. Well, yeah. hi. What's cracking? Welcome back to Real Notes. This is it, we're, we're 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 starting with some we're starting with some pretty wild energies today. This is this is this is this is crazy. I'm kind of looking forward to this. Uh, it's Dylan Cinemasai. I, I got names and I do things, and those are two of them. Um, uh, man, we got we got we got a we got somebody pretty wild in the room today. Um, this guy's a rapper. He's a comic aficionado. He's um, he's he's a mind <laughs> let's 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 put it that way this guy's a mind um thank you um uh, man his latest album um little robbie hutton is out and and thriving and doing all sorts of crazy shit and we're gonna break all that down and just a lot of other fun shit with curly castro we got curly castro in the building up? thank you and Yo, wild isn't i bring the wild from wild in the night yeah rampage lowest boy scout that's that's the wild i like see Wow, that that that's that's so specific. <laughs> it so is, specific, right? Bro. It is, yeah. ding, ding. I remember that song. Yo, we used to roll your shoulders when that shit came on. And if you were in that ilk, when Wild for the Night came on, if you weren't in a club, you were literally pulling a ski mask up or down and about to rob old man Quillis. That's what the song is for to get you hyped up to do some fucking strong arm robbery and hopefully make <laughs> it back to your crib. Oh, that's Trust hardcore. Me. That's Trust hardcore. But yo, thank you so much for even like expressing interest and like wanting to come on. Like I've been a fan for a minute, so to have you here is dope. So thank you. Thank you, mutual, yo, mutual. We we respect your platform, all of my comrades and my peers, and we like you know we like what you're doing here. So we want to keep, we want you to continue what you're doing here, and we want to participate as well. Thank so that's for me man. and all my peers, man. We we holding you down. Thank that's you, man. for real. Like, yeah, like shout out to you, shout out to Zilla who we had on a little while ago. Shout out to Charm Zilla said what up. And- Told yeah, him earlier. He said, "Tell about said what up." He said, "You're the greatest." Ah, See oh, that? Man. Look at that. You legend is spreading, dog. You ain't gotta do shit. That shit is wild to me. Like it's it's like this is it's only been going for a couple of months, and I just uh, you know I just appreciate anybody who's listening. It's still kind of wild that like people care. So um, you know, Trust I'm just me, trying man. to. Have I, fun I got with a podcast. Show. I know the same thing. Like I remember we had like four or five listeners. I mean, not even look. It's funny. I was talking about Jordan earlier. And like how, you know, the NBA was determined, whether you like Jordan or not, to create this narrative of, um, you know, bad man, you know, little man done good with the getting cut from teams and stuff like that and all of that. But 
there is actual legitimacy when people talk about their journey and like, yeah, I remember when I had 10 followers. Like, it's true. And so sometimes it's not hyperbole, but it's always good to reflect and be thankful of, you know, any, any followers, any, anybody you have tuning in. It's always great. Right. I just don't want to lose, I don't want, I don't want to lose sight of that because it's so easy to kind of just, you know, like, I I mean, like, yeah, I just, I just don't want to lose sight of that and get caught in my own head and just like, remember that like, we're all here supporting each other and just like, take care of your listeners. Thank you. Take care of your listeners. Your listeners take care of you. Just like anything. Always. And yeah, you got, you got the non-ether growing you take care of your hair, your hair takes care of you. So I just, just apply that all the way through. You feel me? Man. And before we get started, yeah, like I want I wanted to give a special shout out to Call Out Culture and everything y'all are doing over there. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, of course, like, like, of course, like y'all are really, y'all have been going at it for a while and I enjoy listening to it. So like, good for y'all. Like, Yeah, no, we keep, we trying, man. And you know, sometimes it can be reduced to something as simple as, you know, me talking with my friends. Cause that's what it says sometimes, but um, right. yeah, we um, we we keep we keep working on our platform, and hopefully, we're giving decent content. We want you know people to check it out. We want people to listen to the full episodes. I know that's hard. You know, you, you're doing a lot of things, so we appreciate all listeners, all supporters, all investors. Um, we wouldn't be here without them. They wouldn't. They wouldn't be here looking for none. You know, we hope we provide something that that is there and is not there. If you get what I'm saying. Oh yeah, no, I get it a hundred percent um so let me ask you the first thing that i ask everybody who comes on here what was the mm-hmm. last movie or tv show you watched that you had a strong opinion about i think i might know the answer already but tell me anyway well one uh, last movie i watched was shang chi and the legend of the ten rings which i do have strong opinions about and the last um uh tv show i watched is a bunch i've been watching a bunch but i was really impressed with american crime story impeachment and I'm also watching the uh, Foundation s- series based on the Isaac Asimov books. Oh, so, shit. Oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Where, where, where's that's that on, on Apple? See, that's the thing. It's on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. And Apple TV, I just finished watching that joint C with Jason Momoa. Awesome. Two seasons in. It just had uh, Dave Bautista in there. Great show. The whole great show. The premise is the populace has been blind. The world is blind for like the last 300 years. So there's no technology, nothing in it's just great. And so now I'm into their foundation series. I didn't, I'm, I wasn't familiar with the book specifically, but I'm, I'm familiar with Asimov, you know, hitting me with the robots and the three laws. And so it's pretty good. And, and then, and, but American crime story impeachment was great. That Man, was great. See, see, I'm mad at myself because I really love the OJ series, but I haven't watched impeachment yet. Yeah. The um, OJ series. And then last season they did, um, Gianni, the murder of Gianni Versace. I didn't All finish the, the Gianni Versace one, but I, I really like it. Which, you know, what our man Ryan, who, you know, American Horror Story fan, he, the attention to detail he does on American crime stories is far none. That's why I think it's really good. Like, you know, they really try to get you those details, they cross reference their facts, what was said, who heard what. And that's why when they do the retelling, it doesn't matter that, um, Cuba Gooding doesn't look like OJ at all because he's still embodying OJ because he has all of the elements. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The same thing with um Johnny Versace, the um that killer dude. I can't remember his name right now. I, there was so much detail you didn't know about, and I was just fascinated. And in this season, a lot of detail about Monica Lewinsky specifically. I did not know. I didn't know that some of the procedures. This is the advent of the internet age. Like the Star Report was put out on the internet in like 1990. 1990 was it eight? Yeah, 98, like it was on the internet, but you know, the internet wasn't even a thing thing yet. Like you, you still waiting on dial up 
I know um, I'm a little older than most cats, so you'd have to hit a modem thing and you wait. <laughs> and you just sit there and wait and wait. And so that was just fascinating. But, um, you know, I just, I'm always interested in high quality work. Um, I'm doing a rewatch of Lovecraft Country with the wonderful Jonathan Powers and um, Regina King. Um, the harder they, the harder they fall. That's the joint right there. That's, yeah. that's the lit. That's I saw, the lit. I saw it last week. It's cool. I liked it that's a lot. The lit. Being growing up West Indian, um, having a Caribbean household is that's you know that's like a Jimmy Cliff song. The fact that we're using so many reggae, old reggae songs that you grew up with hearing in your household if you're if you're my age, that was dope. And then um, just using the names, I knew that the characters weren't like. Um, accurate to form but i knew the name bill pickett and, and um nat love and all that bass reeves obviously yeah. like you you know you know these things and so that was dope i thought that was dope repurposing that and showing the black cowboys actually existed so that was really well done so big shout out to the boy i think it's james i can't remember his last name the director and because i actually have his prequel queued up he has something called they die by night or something that eric about mm. doing it it's another western it's 50 minutes oh. short that came out like yeah, a, I think like a year or two ago. Yeah, a yeah, year or two that. ago, and that's kind of the prequel. So I'm about to watch that. I got that queued up on YouTube. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I get I get to that. I try, I try to get to that. Yeah, well, um, I really, um, I really fuck with the harder they fall. I watched it. I want to say last. It's, it hasn't even been a week. Um, <laughs> I know, um, the music was all like so good. Like the needle drops were great. It's oh, just yeah. like. Like, 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 I know it caught me off guard for a second, cause I, was, cause I was like, why is there so much reggae here? Like, not that, right. it, not, not, not that it, not that it bothered me. I was just like, no, but that's where really... you go into the whole, the harder they fall is a Jimmy Cliff song from like the seventies, right. eighties. So then that's, cause I remember hearing it, and I was like, all right, and I didn't know if they were gonna tie it in or not. So then I'm hearing the reggae influence, and I'm like, oh shoot, you know, they, they using it like the whole first half of the movie was soundtracked by um, a rhythm or two. Right. And I just thought that was special because, you know, most casual listeners or fans, they're, they're still going to go, what the hell is this? They're going to listen to the drums and stuff. They're not going to have the epic memory to it, but that didn't matter. It still set a nice pace. Probably if you thought about colonialism at that time and then the, you know, the reconstruction and all that uh, Wild West uh, conquering unspoken land shit was probably happening around the same time. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just fascinating to do, to do that much research and apply it. Like I'm big on attention to detail. Like if, if, I, if you take time to, 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 to do that craft and make that shawl um, time accurate or make that six shooter exactly look how it is, you know what I'm saying? There's something to be said because I like, I like creators that give their audience credit. I like a creator, director, rapper, singer, um, just any type of creator that gives the credit that we have some intelligence so we can kind of figure it out. That, that's the art that I appreciate. Yes, I have intelligence. I can figure out, you don't have to spell it all out. I don't need a million exposition scenes. Right. Give it to me raw. I'll do my research and I'll get it. And by you putting it out there and just drop me in the middle of a story shows me you have appreciation for my intelligence. So I'm on board right there. Stuff like uh-huh. Tenet, Christopher Nolan shit. He, you know, he, don't, he ain't giving you no book beforehand or nothing. You better figure it out. <laughs> we are, we are an hour into the movie. You ain't figured it out yet. We are an hour and a half into this. You know, see, so, yeah. see, I wasn't fucking with Tenet, but I do like that about Christopher Nolan too. Um, mm. When it's good, it's good. You know, like yeah. when it's when it's when it's good, it's good. I'm gonna put it that way. Yeah, most but, um, uh, one more one more detail about because you because you've been talking about detail. 
um, with mm-hmm. uh, the harder they fall. One of my favorite bits was when they um, oh, it was I, it was Regina King and somebody else. They were walking in front of one of the stage coaches, and it Man, said Chuck, C, and, yeah, and it said Bozeman C. A. Bozeman on it, like yeah. That like, little stuff, like if you look like so in the town of Rosewood, I think the name was, they had like names of shops and stuff, and those are like DAs and APs and you know, so uh, right. different producers on this. I love stuff like that. I love Same. stuff like that. So like I was big into um breaking bad. Obviously, I'm a big um not obviously, but I'm big into breaking bad. I'm big big into Vince Gilligan. And like I would listen to the um the commentary that they would do for each episode and which was dope was the commentary included editors colorists um other actors and stuff so you really get into the minutia the producers the directors of certain episodes into the minutia of all right what did the ad have to do okay we had to call down here clear out this street this is kind of interesting because we only had like two hours here and then the editor came in all right look vince gilligan wanted this type of cut so you yeah. really get into like what it really take like i remember growing up I remember seeing like ET and whatever like that. I was like, oh, acting is easy. That's an easy job. Anybody can do that. You just pretend in it. Shit. You know, I had a good imagination. Then when you learn the big scope of what a film is and it's a hundred fucking crew members and pre-production and post-production and why it has a $40 million budget and trying to make a hundred million because there's so much that goes into like with sometimes it's just a six to nine month production. So when you learn about the enormity of it, you can't help but just like appreciate film like TV shows is one thing that's about consistency and schedule because they're doing that shit like every day. Film is like that one shot, that one pitch, and you got to knock that shit the fuck out. And so I always, it's curious to me, um, not to get long with it, it's like when you're making a bad movie, you know it's bad 20% in. Are you so committed financially? You just got to go through it. Because when I watched it, I was like, who would make this? How would you make it past the half hour mark? Like, what is going on? But yeah. So like, that, yeah, that's what I like. That's what that's what um I miss DVDs for that specific reason. Like people still make mm. them, obviously, but like you know, like mm. I just I always love like special features and behind mm. the scenes stuff and like I used to really... when the DVD was like basic. Everyone remember the ones that was basic, one of the screens was just credits. Yeah. Like, where's, the, <laughs> where's the behind the scenes? Where's the where's the deleted takes? Like, yeah, all that extra stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah, the outtakes and just like, yeah, just like, cause like people, you know, like it's weird because uh, you think about it now and like stuff like really social media kind of plays. Like, right, it, like, that takes uh, that like, part, yeah. Right, it just kind of like cut out the middleman and people can just like directly be like, oh, hey, like this happened in this scene and like shit like that. Yeah. But I just, um, I'm just really big on like exploring that like on a disc and like looking through and like finding like the easter eggs and the menus and yes. shit like yes. yeah that was that was my whole shit and people don't really do that anymore and it's kind of sad like but. Blair Witch was so effective to me it affected me because I was all into the, the um, viral campaign before things were viral like they had a um, right. website and the website was releasing diary pages one at a time and you didn't know if this was real or not and you got one weathered page you know and just it has that page flip and that's it and it's spooky music around it and I was all into it before I even saw the film so when I went into the theater I was already charged up stuff like that that's some of that stuff is missing but I, again the internet does cut a swath right through that because you had a still of leaked photos of earlier like I remember when people would shoot films you would barely catch 
one picture or two of them actually working on a film, whether it be in the middle of the night or whatever like that, or seeing like casting costume. But now there's so many people that snap a quick picture and upload it before anybody yeah. could put a stop to it or anything like that. And so it does take away from the mystique of filmmaking. But I, like I said, I think there's <clears throat> good in that. There's bad in that, but there's also good in that because right. you get to appreciate the, the scope of the art. Um, I actively like, they've been putting out Hawkeye pictures for two years. Like, right. you know, that's exaggerated, but at least a year. Like last year, yeah, you've seen like that, Hawkeye yeah. pictures. So I just kind of just say like, oh my God, if they are trying so hard to one, manifest what Spider-Man is going to be. Put all three of the Spider-Mans in it. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I used to accidentally, one thing I hated was I started clicking on accidental um, fake trailers. And oh, I'll be watching and I'd be like, wait, what is this? That's from Spider-Man 1. What's, oh man, this is some fan made and they're trying to make it look like it's new. I said, what the, and how, I'm like, how does the algorithm allow this to be? It says it right underneath new trailer. Like, come on, yeah, they, fin- they finessed this. Right? They finessed definitely, it. definitely. But like, sometimes <laughs> you have to actively stay away from the prequel of stuff. Some people really love all that uh, set photos. Like, but Spider-Man, I think it's going to be curious because I, there's been so many videos and so much information about what the movie is, but very rare looks at footage or even live stills of them shooting. So right. I don't know about the I, I don't like the clones. I'm not a fan of clones in the comics. So that's why I'm rooting against clones. So I get where everybody's excited. But I'm like, yo, y'all really just, it's the same thing like with the Mephisto and the Disney. So like, you couldn't tell me there wasn't Mephisto in these shows and he still hasn't showed up. Right. And in and, and the same way, that, that Spider-Man is Garfield. Toby's in it. You know, like, you can't tell nobody that's not happening. So, and that might happen, but. Oh, yeah. Mephisto's uh, gonna show up at some point. Like I oh, thought he was gonna, I, I thought he was gonna show up in WandaVision, to be honest. Wanda, of course, but, yeah, like... that, that seemed like. But they made, you know, they stopped us short with making Agatha the big. You know what I'm saying? The bad, right, right. And, and we were looking for somebody pulling her strings. But if you look at it, it was like we wanted it to be too complicated, really, because you had Agatha who was already hidden, and you wanted her to be puppeteered because we wanted this big Mephisto reveal. And then the way they're pushing the multiverse, I think all these properties know what they're doing, oh, and absolutely. they're taking their time, and we're just. You know, we just looking and scrounging for crumbs on some Hansel and Gretel shit. Anything we could get, people are like fiending. Going to the cons to see the trailers like a month early, like all that good shit. Yeah, Kevin Feige's been saying that they got like, like they got all this shit planned out five years in advance. So like, so like everything, so, so like Spider-Man coming, like that's been planned since like 2016. Like, it's like we we don't have faith in it because like you, you can't tell me that oh in the last especially the last two years everything is about bringing mutants bring mutants bring mutants multiverse bring mutants right. and I'm like I don't think they're gonna use the multiverse because I keep talking to my friends about it. I'm like look what are they just gonna open a portal like Wong and then just forty mutants just step through and the X Men hey <laughs> what's going on over here like that's corny it worked in Spider Man. Um, through the multiverse with um, Miles because it was just about Spider-Man and his doppelgangers. You can't right. bring in a whole team of people unless you're doing some Squadron Supreme shit, which if anybody's familiar, I know I'm going deep in the woods here, but Squadron Supreme was an alternate universe, had totally different heroes and stuff, but it had its story in its universe first. These things take time. You can't right. skip steps. So if you just want to open a portal and Cyclops over and just start walking through and, hey, what you, your name, Captain, like, come on. They've been way more sophisticated. Look what they did with Ant-Man. They could have right. rolled out Ant-Man. They could have made Hank Pym. Yeah, he's 80, but he's 20. They didn't do that. That thing alone, the fact that they used the younger Ant-Man shows me that they're like, hold on, this has to make sense. You know what right. I'm saying? Hank Pym was like, 
Olden and Tony was working with his father, you know, because just of the age thing. And that's how the comics were. If you go with the 60s, 70s thing, even though they were ageless from the 60s and 80s, everybody was ageless or whatever. But then time was put in, you know, Black Panther was around way back in the day. So you got to make all that stuff work. So, right. Let's let's get to the crux here. We have a disagreement. We have a disagreement ahead of us. Do, do we? OK, tell yeah. me. Tell me what's up. You went online. A public yeah. forum, something that can't yeah. be erased from yeah. from infinite meta vacuum space, and say that Eternals is better than Shang Chi. Wait a minute, I didn't say that. I said it was better than Dune. Yeah, that one too. That's what it is. I I didn't I didn't no 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 no. I like I like I like Shang. Yeah yeah. Let me set the record straight. I like okay, Shang Chi enough. more than I like Eternals. Definitely. Me too. <laughs> but I have. But it's weird reason. Like I'm a Wu Tang fan. So I'm watching Shang-Chi, I'm like, oh, this is like new, new Wu-Tang to me. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I love all that mystical stuff. Like, it's funny because Zilla hates that stuff. He's like, oh, I don't like the second half. I'm like, what? Those, those stone lines that you, we've been watching in, um, I'm thinking, what is this? Uh, Chinese law, right? Shang-Chi yeah. is Chinese, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Saw yeah. them at the temples. It's like, the, I was loving that. The nine-tailed thing that we saw in Lovecraft Country and... And I think Love, Death, and Robots, that's like, you know, I'm with that. So Zilla not liking that, whatever. Eternals was okay for me. I was digging it. Because the thing is, when, you know, you know, Marvel tried to be slick. Okay, so this was happening uh, before everything you saw and kind of after and underground. And nobody was like, you know, like, Daredevil don't know. Like, they, they try to be slick with that shit. I get it. But because of the scope right. of Eternals, I thought it worked. They had edges to work out. They still right. have, they're still working out the galactical thing. Because if anybody knows Marvel, the space has a lot to do with shit. But since we started on Earth, everything has been Earth heavy. Iron Man, Cap, Hulk. You know, everybody's grounded on Earth until Thanos came. And Guardians and shit. Now we're like, okay, space. You know what I'm saying? So I like right. the Eternals dealt with, like, Earth is on a galactical plane. It's not just us here. There's a lot going on. So I thought that worked. And yeah, I love... Nah. Yeah, and the, I thought it was a vessel for me. Eternals is a vessel. You got Brian Tyree now in the Marvel Universe. You got yeah. fucking Angelina Jolie in the Marvel Universe. I don't care if she's yeah. pooped out. Like, they're there. You have yeah. a, you have a, you see what I'm saying? Like, you can't take that back. You got my homegirl from The Walking Dead, the, um, get, uh, the deaf chick playing Macari. Yeah. She's there. Um, and she was fire too. She was one of my favorite characters. Yeah, I great, wish, great. I, 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 I wish she got more screen time. Like she was great. Like, like her they brought and Brian Tyree Henry, my favorites. They like, were, hmm. when they were fighting Icarus. I was like, oh shoot, because Icarus was like typical Superman busting ass, but then Fastos yeah. being able to hold him down. The fact that Brian Tyree is homosexual character, first one, bang, you got that in there. Like you're getting these things out, right. um, figuring out like where the myth of Athena came from, from Athena and yeah. Fastos, whose names all of Gilgamesh. All that yeah. great stuff. And that Icarus, all, of course. Yeah, you know. Exactly. And, and he fires right. into the sun. All of that, um, all of that rates. That's what I'm saying. It all rates. So I'm not right. mad at it. And I think people get to a certain way because look, Endgame was fantastic because they built us all the way up to it over 10 years, right? Maybe, maybe even Thanos. closer to 15, honestly. Thank like. you. Looking over his shoulder, that's the first little bit we get. Change actors, right? So now that we're seeing them ramp up again, everybody's oh. <laughs> Black Widow's gonna be regular. And what does that bring us? Uh, um, your, your, your COVID chick, she's dope. Now she's in the mix. You see what I'm saying? Like, they've yeah. been doing this to us, but we're so, oh, where's the next big Thanos, you know, Mephisto? Like, we're too anxious to not believe in the process, to coin a yeah. phrase. And they've shown us already. Definitely. 
And think about it. an Iron Man drop and Hulk drop. Was anybody thinking about Thanos or even Vision? Like when they, things like Ultron, no, we weren't there yet. So just let them rebuild it up. That's all. That's all I just want people to have faith. Right. And you know, like, I think like, you know, um, for me, I really enjoyed Eternals. I enjoyed watching it. It looked great. It had a great cast, cool action. Look great. Look great. Um, the look, way look, their powers yeah. were. And that, that and, great. The and yellow. the Celestials, bro. The Celestials right, look, the show they look fucking the crazy. To get like, the scope right, him in the hand, like, let's, bro. And then the show, when he blipped out and it was an actual black hole with the event horizon, because right. we're used to that what from Interstellar. You see what I'm saying? So they're like, all yeah, right, look, yeah, this yeah. is what people think black holes look like. And they showed it on NASA. Boom, he's out in a black hole. Like that type of stuff resonates. That's building, world building. I'm big on world building. That's why I like saying I'm big on world building. If you can get me to believe we're in this place and then maybe in the last 15 minutes of the movie, you do something, I'm all for it. You know what right. I'm saying? And like, so like my, so like my only issue with Eternals was mm-hmm. that like, I could tell they wanted they wanted to get weirder and they wanted it to be more ambitious. And like, I could like, there were just like a few parts where I was like, oh, they wanted to go in a different direction. But like, even Marvel was like, eh, that's a little too weird, which is crazy. Yeah, you could considering, tell that they pulled back considering right. where it's from Kirby and where it's from. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, because like all that, because like all that Kirby shit is like, like all the Jack Kirby space shit, like the Chariot of the Gods stuff, like that shit. He's is out of control. It is out of control. He's out of control. Like, he's out there. He went, he went there. But again, that built in, you know, like people like, Eternity, Living Tribunal. That's when they fixed it. They, when they said, okay, right. look, we need, we need big guys, Galactus and stuff to kind of calm this down because he's out there playing like galactical pool, pool hall and stuff, you know, with the, right. yeah. So, I mean, look, I, I like, so like there's a certain port, there's a certain um, transference you have to do when you go from like comic book to film. So I never really get mad at Marvel when they know their instincts, when they know how to do it. So they're like, all right, this worked in a comic, this might not work. You know what I'm saying? From the uniforms, you know, like, shoot, we were looking at Captain America in the full lycra. It worked. They got it to work. When I remember the first Captain America, that old, old cartoon looked crazy. Yeah, Looked crazy, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But they figure it out. And so, like, changing stories, like the Ultron story was muted. Uh, Then you brought in, like, uh, David Banner to help with Ultron, like, all that stuff. It all works for me. I'm I'm not a stickler. Like, I'm such a... I'm so into comics from back in the day. I could be like a dick. I can be a dick about it. Oh no, that's not, you know, Avengers 341. Yeah. And this happened. Where's Wonder Man? Like I could go with on and on, you know what I'm saying? But <laughs> you're not gonna enjoy it. You're not gonna enjoy doing all of that. Looking for flaws and stuff. Like, look, I I saw the first Dune from 84. So this one, I was like, okay. Cause Dune is a mess. Oh my God, it's such a mess, a glorious mess of a movie. Yeah. So Both much of them are, honestly. Like, yeah. Well, I think. But see, the second one works because they split it. And by making this part one and part two, the scope is a little bit easy. Like, so, oh my God, in 1984, like you want to take a class on exposition. All right, so we're going to have a, a minimum character. She's going to talk like 20 minutes and you're only going to see her in the beginning and at the end. Like, why was she talking? Oh, she's the daughter of the, uh, the Pharaoh Duke or whatever. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then there's so much talking, so much internal uh, dialogue whispers and that shit was crazy to me it was so crazy see that was see like that was my big issue with dune just because like i really like the unit the the universe is interesting like i'm excited to see where the story goes but like because it's a part one and there's so much that i don't know yet 
and so much mm-hmm. that like wasn't really like you know you were talking earlier about how you just appreciate it when people just kind of like throw you into the middle of a thing and you got to figure it out and usually mm-hmm. i like usually i like that too but for some reason like when i saw it it just like it didn't click the way i wanted it to like i didn't i didn't dislike dune i had a good time watching it once again look beautiful good cast like i just thought that you like, saw it, it in the theater or you saw, I saw it, it in the theater home. i saw yeah, it in the theater yeah. so yeah. like to so like to me it felt like it felt like a part one just in the sense that like it's a setup and like i'm right. probably gonna appreciate it more as things get explained and i kind of like fall into it a little more like like, like 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 i know i'm gonna appreciate it later on but as a part one i'm like it's okay i guess like i, I wasn't mad and also at it, but like i also think there's something to be said about it being a part one without like a harrowing cliffhanger like they're just right. walking into yeah. the desert it's kind of like a um what is it like uh what do they call it? Like they're consoling. They 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 like just like going along with it. Like the Harkonnens are back, and it's just like oh, you know they're walking off into the desert, like resigning themselves to it. And that's right. a different cut. That's like an episodic cut, like episode three to four. It rather oh, than yeah. movie half. Somebody cliffhanger, literally hanging over a cliff. Like I always use that example. Like that. What's gonna happen? Da, 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 like that and that news and that. Those are the ones. You're like, oh my god, like. Endgame and Infinity War, like that was crazy. Like, you know what I'm saying? To end the movie like that when yeah. they went to black. So I think Dune saying, hey, showing all of our, our veins, this is two-parters. This is the halfway point. It's more of an intermission than a cliffhanger. Right. And I think that's where the anticipation kind of lays lessons in Wayne's and then you wait for the next big chapter. We go into the, you know, to the lobby, get some popcorn and licorice, and when we come back. Boom, you know what I'm saying? But right. it's definitely more intermission than a cliffhanger. So yeah. My man, my man Austin and I, uh, shout out to Austin. We were talking about that on Twitter yesterday. And he kind of he kind of he kind of feels the same way you do about it. And like I'm seeing it more. And like honestly, like I know that because I know they're gonna do two more of these Doom movies. So like like I know that if I watch uh, maybe not like back, well, um actually nah, maybe I'll do the back to back to back. Like watching all three back to back to back is going to be crazy and i'm going to story is so large that the second one will be the proper continuation of the first one but then the third one will be like another jump in the story it's so like the dune books he wrote the big books then he wrote books uh continue that then there were prequels like it gets it gets really out there there's a lot of literature about it but there's also some classic retconning so I don't know how they'll take care of it. You know what I'm saying? Like the story was doing a certain thing and then um, he came back, Herbert wrote some more, they retconned some of the things he already established. And I always think that's interesting where, you know, people that take on stories like that, what they do later. Also like yeah. stuff in the seventies and eighties, certain ways. And now we went in the 2020s, you know what I'm saying? So it's always uh, some transmutation going on. Right. I'm just sure. interested. Like it's just really interesting to me to see, like especially since I um, I really enjoyed the David Lynch Dune. I just liked it. I, I just liked the visual aesthetic more than anything. It just looked really cool to me. It was cra- um, like the hair. Remember the the mustaches and the sideburns like that. Yeah. Like they were crazy, right? And then the military yeah. appellate, like everything looked crazy. I remember just like from the beginning because um, Paul and the father they were all dressed like military nines. Like in this new one, they have regular clothes. But like I remember the first yeah. Dune. They already had their stuff all done up and like the big opulent. Everybody's wearing a costume. You know what I'm saying? Right. Parking yeah. it on down. And so like, that's why I was like, you know, nobody was just wearing like a pants and a shirt. Not at all. 
you know anything Dude. about um uh, you know anything about the documentary um Jodorowsky's Dune? Jodorowsky's Dune. I was gonna yeah. name a project Jodorowsky's um Negro. Like that That's was a fire. big plan for me. <laughs> That's fire because it was gonna be like crazy. Like like I've seen him, and it's funny because they say that they, that book exists, but you can't get the book. But you can go online. They put a lot of the pages up. There's an archive of that book. That book is incredible. Like how the colors he had and the scope, this guy was like, I, I'm, I'm messing it up. He's like, oh, you know, I want like Sting and Van Halen to do the soundtrack and uh, like, you know, we want like, he wanted like all the top actors, all the top musicians, everybody working on this thing, like the whole industry. That, that's where it right. would have been like a fan. This is like Michael Jackson calls in all the favors. Okay, I need the best director. I need um, three the top actors grossing 20 million. All right, who's doing yeah. the music? It's not me. I want, you know, Rolling Stone, like, like Guns of, like, you know what I'm saying? Like big, yeah, big like, bands. And that, that's why that shit never would work. Cause they, they were doing some projections. It was going to be like 200 million or so. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> it was and crazy. Like, and like, and like you, like me, you saying all that and me like taking that in just now. Like when I saw, well, when I saw the new dude, I saw it at the Alamo Draft House. And I don't know if you or anybody listening has been to the Draft House, but like whenever they do, whenever they show things there, they like the pre-show is like clips that are like relevant to the movie you're about to watch so they had like a whole pre-show like dedicated to like old stuff with dune and one of the things was them like going through uh how how dune like the book not even the movie but like the original book influenced like progressive rock and shit so like Mm -hmm. there was so they run through like 40 50 songs and one of them was um, an iron maiden song i forget which one it was but it was from the number of the beast album and apparently like they wanted to call it like like it was supposed to be a reference like like the whole song was a reference to dune and they were gonna like name it i forget what they were gonna call it but But iron maiden Mm -hmm. yeah like their team reached out to the author to ask for permission to use the names and shit and the guy was like no like i hate your music and like the last thing i want is to have dune represented like by like by this by this by this like devil music or whatever the fuck he said you know they like, were so crazy like, with that shit back then they would they yeah, they were. Too. They <laughs> yeah they meant like, it too like you're not uh-huh. gonna influence my teenage son like they meant it yo people were scared and that's crazy. but again but like you're right like all the power chords in the first one like there was definitely music they was like yo we want, i want to do this like just right. the way everything was just go, like you know when the ships would just roll in um, um, uh, you know and then it's so funny i think people don't want to give dune any credit because star wars totally copied every fucking thing yeah. like everything like for the book everything and star wars beat dune to the punch because they dropped first oh, so yeah. everybody thought that dune was copying star wars when actually it was in the reverse because the source material of dune was the whole jedi thing the whole chosen thing, the whole going on the desert planet. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's like it's like it's like George Lucas spent all his time watching westerns and then read Dune and was like, "Boom, like, that's my movie." Boom, that's like... what it is. Yes, <laughs> and like, um... seriously, it was like one one idea just languishing and then got amputated by the other. Like, right. excuse me, like you know, amplified by the other because he, you know, Lucas kind of you know he's suspect. Like when you give him yeah. too much material, another another version, it gets suspect. This stuff starts thinning out. Like with a lot of things, um, Matrix. You know the 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 uh, conspiracy of um, Homegirl Sonia wrote it, and she wrote that, and then Terminator. And my thing about that is, you look and just think about it. The Matrix is a certain movie, and so is the first Terminator. Terminator Two is a totally different movie, 
and the Matrix two and three are totally different movies. They go into this simulation and simulacrum, all that philosophy stuff. That wasn't necessarily in the first one. The first one was about man versus machine and AI. The second one, third one, Matrix, they they wanted to get into the Wachowskis, what they want to get into. Fine. That's what, you know, and actually it's a movie about being trans. That's right. pretty much what the movie is about. Oh, so, yeah. but if you notice the difference in tone, same thing with first Terminator about man killing himself with a machine, and then Terminator 2 turned into Arnold coming back, villain the hero. That's a totally different movie and shit. So there is, I think there's a lot to be said about this. She did write those original ones. Because and so my point is when those creators run out of source material, same thing that happened in Game of Thrones, the stories start thinning the fuck out. Oh yeah. And so and it's and it starts really reaching and all these other things are happening that are that are part of the director and not the original creators movement. So when you when you give Star Wars a third one, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, he's thinned out. He could tell you prequel all he wants. He's thinned out. You know what I'm and, saying? And that's what happened with Scott Pilgrim too, because the Scott Pilgrim movie was oh. being the Scott Pilgrim movie was being made and the books weren't done yet. So they didn't I heard have about an ending. That. Yeah, I heard about so, that. And, like, stop, yeah. and the movie is just about style. And, and again, I love that, that movie. But yeah, you're that right. <laughs> cart, the, the comic is very 2D. Does that work? You see what I'm saying? Like the comic is very mm-hmm. panelly 2D. It's not it doesn't get into like depth of field a lot. I, I watched this right. one those just side scroll. So does that work when you try to make it in a full thing with your man in it? And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, have a storyline behind knives and all this weird shit when that's just the character. So, you know, you win some, you lose some. Right. But it was I, I thought. Scott Pilgrim was a fun watch. Like I like the stimuli, even though you know if you have uh, seizures, don't watch it. But it's oh, like yeah. that, the way they were flashing lights and all that shit. That was great. Definitely, okay. yeah. I was um I was big on the books. Um, so I, did, I, I wasn't was familiar with the books, so I, the, I I didn't know about it until afterwards. Well, actually, I yeah, yeah, like I didn't start reading them. Like I started reading them when I first saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, it's based on books. So I read the books, and I was like, and, and like the Dope. ending is the ending of the book is really tight. But they just nice. The, the books weren't done when they were making the movie. So like I That's think they funny. put out the last one like a like maybe like a couple months after the movie came out, and like the ending of the book is just so much better. Like, They're doing so that with um, Umbrella Academy a bit, and only and because. Yeah. But also Umbrella Academy is, is a graphic novel form at best because each set of stories is contained and then they move on to something else. So it's interesting them doing this this way. But I mean, right. because you're doing it season by season, I just feel like people lose, they lose faith in anthology. It works. If you want to recast the whole thing and just play this, it works. That stuff works. But a lot of times stuff makes money. So when they have all those plans for those first seasons to be totally different in the second, like Lost was supposed to be, you know, it, they they can't go with it. They can't go through with it because they feel like they're leaving a lot of money on the table. Right. Yo, we could like it's been so easy to talk to you for this past like half hour, and I and like I want to keep going, but I got like actual questions to ask. You. Okay, so yeah, me... you got four. Let's hit it. My bad. <laughs> oh shit! No, this is this has been great. Like, don't even trip. I'm just like I'm just like I just looked at the clock and I was like, damn, we've been going for like almost forty five minutes straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your show, man. We, you running it? I'm with you. I'm with you. So I'm like, co-pop. yo, like, so you got you have like, you're really in this shit. So I want to know, like, your beginnings with this. Like, what's the first movie experience you can remember having? Like, it could be at the theater, your cousin's house, like, wherever oh, the I mean, yeah. I, like, all right, so my first traumatic movie experience is... Okay, uh, we could go there. It's Poltergeist. So I was I was five years old, and I... um Because it's a two-part story. So I was five years old. 
my aunt was watching me. She took me to see Poltergeist in the theater. I'm five. So I'm traumatized. I'm scared of monsters coming out my window, coming out the toilet, monsters in the kitchen. There's monsters everywhere. Every place they had a doorway or something, there was a monster behind it. Did so you want to really, see the movie? Like, is that why you went no, to go I, see I it? was with my aunt. I was rolling okay, with her. Okay. I, I, I didn't say, let's go see Poltergeist. I'm five years old. Yeah, so I'm I was scared of everything. Like, it barely, that was very traumatizing for a five-year-old. So what ended up happening is, so my next, I go with my aunt again, we go see E.T., now the timeline could be skewed, but this is how I remember it. I was so scared of Poltergeist. I kept my eyes closed for ET. I put my hands over my eyes. I've never done this before. Like I'm wasting my aunt's money. I have my hands over my eyes the whole movie because in the beginning there was something about the soundtrack and it sounded like stomping feet. So I'm scared of everything. So it was like boom, boom. And I said, oh, hell no, cover my eyes. You ain't catching me with this Poltergeist shit again, auntie. And I wasn't blaming her, but she was, she was the reason. And so, I say, all right, let me open my eyes and see what the hell is going on. Because I'm literally listening. Maybe I'm tuned out. Open my eyes. It's at the part where E.T. is fucking levitating and his neck is stretched all the way across the screen. I yell out a primal scream, cover my eyes again. So I remember not seeing E.T. till years later on VHS because I totally had my eyes closed the whole goddamn movie wow. because of my <laughs> poltergeist experience. That's that's so much. You just reminded me that when um, um when I talked to Woods and Elucid, earlier this year he told me a story about seeing batman when he was younger and being traumatized by batman i don't remember the details right now but like that's just batman the first was scary place my brain went. it was it's pretty dark it was um creepy because of the tim burton angle of it like he was gonna yeah. make you you know tim burton just built you know you think he sleeps in cemeteries and i'm not even lying like he's crazy so yeah <laughs> i can see that no, nah totally but like you know like so <laughs> so can you remember can you remember like a shout out to that bottle of canada dry by the way um Big time. can you can you uh can you remember the first like positive movie experience you had positive movie experience um hmm. um because i i mean i was big into it I, it didn't take long i guess for me to get settled so i guess my mom would take me a lot but thinking of a positive movie experience, I'm older, so I'm trying to remember like my young memories. I remember right. really, um, okay, so three movies. I was really into Mannequin and Splash. Mannequin, wow. <laughs> that's a, that's and, a deep and, cut. And Splash, because very similar things, like this fantasy girl from another place and you're running around a city trying to save her or help yourself yeah. splash you're trying to get her back to the water mannequin she keeps changing you don't know what she's real or not very strong characters tom hanks and the other bull um that black character that was in designing woman he was in mannequin and then i also remember um animated movies when i was young so whether that was either um what's the one about the rabbits um watership down watership down yes yeah. <laughs> shout out to watership and, down so. and the last unicorn so those those rep those um resonate with me because i remember when i saw bambi i was like the mom's is dead and the fops just the pops are just walking off like what's going on here it's not you know it like if you if you break a code as, as a young kid you start realizing like the dumbo's fucked up he goes to jail and shit pinocchio this motherfucker turned into a donkey, his man, like, because they were drinking alcohol. Like, there's some fucked up shit going on in these things. So I remember, like, the last Watership Down and the last Unicorn being like, that's going to be kind of a good ending, but it was like the unicorn with the fire and the big bull and all that shit. That was very harrowing. 
like this was the last one and he had to save him and all this crazy and turn into a girl. So yep, that's my positive one. Yeah. <laughs> Splash, Man. mannequin, last unicorn, and watership down. Those are yeah. It's crazy that that's a positive experience because Watership Down is like a very sad, terrifying scary movie. Like that shit is see, horrifying, never, bro. Like you think of bunnies, like you think I, I brought a Bambi Thumper, you know, just right hitting this, you know. And then you see these fucking rabid ass bunnies rip, ripping into each other and fighting and going to war. I was like, because yeah. the preview would show you them just kind of being normal, and then the first couple of scenes you see their eyes go red and their teeth start gnashing. You're like, yo, what the fuck is going on here? Like right. stuff like that would always resonate with me like a big change in tone like that movie um that disney made uh witches i think it was and it was like barbara streisand was in it and the kid no, they turned the kid um, into the mouth no yeah you're right that's the witches you're right you're right you're yeah right. and awesome. so like at first they look all normal and stuff then they start melting away like that stuff used to scare me um dark crystal like the puppetry and that that's that was bugged out like the long nose the way that you know jim henson's guys would like bounce around mm-hmm. that wasn't this wasn't the Snorks. This wasn't um, the Muggles. Oh, no, not the Muggles. What was the other one? It wasn't the Muppets. It was the other one, the underground ones. Oh, Fraggle uh, Rock? Fraggle Rock. Fraggle Rock. Like, you would yeah. see it on when it was given out to the masses, it was a certain way. But then these movies would make it like, oh, this is some scary shit. Like, Jim Henson's a fucked up motherfucker. Oh, so yeah. I would always remember stuff like that. And like and like that's the stuff that he like wanted like he used the Muppets and Fraggle Rock to like to fund get, like yes, that, yes. Th- there was this there's this incredible web series uh, it's a it's a YouTube channel called Defunct Land that I love and the guy did a whole series on Jim Henson's career up until he died and there's a nice. whole episode about like what he did with the Dark Crystal and I learned nice. so much about like 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 they that brought was, that back. They brought Dark Crystal back. Like yeah, they re- did for revamp. they did for Netflix. It was cool. Yeah. You know, like I, I only saw a little bit of it, but like I liked yeah. what I saw. Um, he he was Jim Henson was he was something else, bro. Like he was, yeah. he was really something else. Just like his vision. Visionary. Was, his vision yeah. was I mean, he's um Sesame Street. Those are his, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are his. Yeah, and it's crazy because like, like it's crazy because like he like he enjoyed doing like that stuff because like he started out in like public access TV with like a bunch okay. of like the little basic ass puppets. puppets and then right. like the idea for Sesame Street happened. But he was like, you know, like this is cool and all, but like I want to make like weird fantasy shit. And then he made that um he made that you ever see you ever see the storyteller? The the little mm. show he did. It, it, it was kind of like the Twilight Zone, but with like more of a oh, fantasy no, bent to that. it. I'll skip that. Like I'm it big was, on like when Mupp- I'm old enough where like Muppets is on prime time. So this is like adult cartoons. You know what I'm right. saying? Like Muppets came on at eight o'clock. Like it was a prime time show. So like um, the Muppets in the, in the balcony, they would say some really crass stuff. Like it, yeah. it was really like Kermit running. Like the movies are one thing. They're always on some mission Muppets take to happen. But the show was like them running like this variety show in the back messing with the lights. Like it's, it was like, like if Jay Leno was puppets and you running right. around with the cameraman and stuff, that's what Muppet Show was. So that was dope. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love the old shows. I haven't seen every episode, but I've seen enough to like know that. Yeah, I, yeah, I love the Muppets. They were like, they were like, um, they weren't, they weren't like super prevalent when I was a kid. But like, I would see them around. Like, I saw them at like Disney World and shit. Right, and then like, right. and, and then and then the other movies started coming out. The movie, yeah, they started. You know, like I was. I, I always love their style. I always love just like the like the crazy, like really like borderline corny, but not really self-aware sense of humor. Like I love right. that type of stuff. Like Gonzo was like the thin line between corny and funny. Like he would, right. he would run up to Kermit with this act. Like get the hell out of here. Like I'm running a show. 
And that was the whole show. Like I, we try to run this successful show. It's right. It's just great. Like I love, I love yeah. that kind of like meta shit that like, that's just like comments on like the art of making shit. Exactly. Like, 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 yeah, like, like news radio. Yeah. Martin at, when it first started, like seeing the, like, I remember, um, okay. Um, I'm bringing up to current the show ballers with the rock, which is actually really good on HBO. Yeah, they never cool. showed any of them playing football. They always showed after effects, after the game, off season. Right. I like shows like that. So like they won't show you like whatever they're working on on the show. If it's like that, they'll just show the production in the background and just run people off. Those are great shows. Right. Those are great shows. It, like this is kind of sort of like that, but not a hundred percent. Like Drumline is kind of like that too, right? Because like in the sense, okay. just like just like just in the sense that like I mean like. Like just because like they're because they're like a they're like a marching band at an HBCU, but you never see right. any football in the movie. Like right, exactly, you, exactly. You never like, ever see any movie, football. So they're gonna make those big like crescendos, but like to be even more realistic, is they should have just showed them playing and then stepping off in the game start because they are secondary in real life. Right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, exactly. But yeah, yeah. But that's it. But that's great. But of course, it's Nick Cannon, so you know we gotta make yeah, him face know. off with the guy. Right. And, you know, like you made that you made the BET classic seem like the craziest, like most important thing to happen in the world. Like you would have thought right. that was a Super Bowl watching. Exactly. Line, like, and I exactly. like that. That, that was just that was halftime. It was a game to play. Go sit, go sit down with your little drums and your little sticks. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So like, <laughs> so like as you so like as you're <laughs> as you're growing up. up and yeah. like kind of taking all this shit in, like was there like like. Was there a movie that kind of like when did you first like really fall in love with movies? Like less is like just like a form of entertainment, but something that was like okay, Spike. yeah, Spike good answer. Spike. So like which Spike, which movie was it? Uh, all when I started really getting into Spike. So I'm old enough when Do the Right Thing comes out, and I'm still like in high school. Um, things like I'll, I'll take it away from Spike. Like Glory comes out. So like black movie renaissance was on its way it was it was starting so me i'm i feel like i cut my nose to spite my face when i was younger because i hated black exploitation movies because i didn't understand them so i thought the, ex, the exploitation part of black exploitation was they were exploiting black imagery and like making fun of it and stuff you so took I it never, literally okay right and <laughs> i come to find out that yo those are black superheroes like you know what i'm saying when and i realized that when i see sweet sweet back's badass song and get into the you know, God rest the dead, Melvin Van Peebles. Yeah, rest in peace, it. for real. And so then you're starting to like, God damn, like Truck Turner, all these were superheroes. I'm thinking they're just pimps. But those are like black superheroes fucking up cops, doing shit, Pam Grier taking no shit. And I missed all that. Like, I'm not that old, but I missed that in terms of like watching that. Like, I never saw a Dolomite movie. I didn't know he was kicking ass. I thought he was making fun. I didn't know he was karate chopping motherfuckers and like, where's my money, sucker like... <laughs> <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? So so when I started wanting that, Spike, it was Spike. And so Spike would drop, do the right thing. And I was really into that. And then I went back and saw she's gotta have it. And went back and got into school days. I'm not nowhere near college, but like school days, I started realizing, man, everybody that goes to college should watch that your senior year of high school, watch that movie. And then um and then like Glory was a big movie because the fucking school took us as a trip like we went on a school trip to see this movie like my whole school but i remember noticing spike and noticing artur and him like the techniques and like the attention to detail and something like malcolm x 
like you're like all right this is this is epic he's doing something bigger and badder and deeper and it was funny because it's not like i wasn't affected by all the other white contemporary movies at that time like you know like those are big movies big and um you know around that time and shit like that i can't even you know whatever uh sent to woman those all big but like spike was like mine he was ours and right and he was one of ours and he was making stuff and of course singleton's popping up and Gary gray's popping up but like spike's yeah. like you know he's breaching he's the first and and he's also like i said he's our tour before quentin and all that other bullshit not mm-hmm. saying quentin's bullshit but just like people getting real artsy and stuff plenty of that and obviously an italian movie making and stuff but like spike right, was right, like right. I'm going to be somewhat artsy and I might sacrifice the uh, the sanctity of the movie to be artsy. And like, you might not get it. And I remember like watching stuff like that, like for instance, um, in Girl 6, when he drops all the phones at the end on her. And everybody's like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? And I'm like, Girl 6 is like really four movies in one. That's first off. You could tell yeah. about a change in perspective. Like when she goes to, when she gets installed, the camera's different. Like it's doing different things and stuff like that. But um, anyway, so that stuff really started making me appreciate stuff. Then I would notice stuff in like Oliver Stone movies and Francis Ford Coppola movies and um, Scorsese. That's when I, but it was Spike that taught me how to see that shit. I mean, yeah, you know, like, like I had a, I had a similar moment because my dad, he owned, he owned pretty much every Spike movie from, I want to say, do the right thing up until bamboozled on DVD. So like, and, and, and none of them were open. He just like bought them and never opened them. So I Word. opened those movies and I Hell went yeah. and watched them. And I was like, yo, like, this is like, you know, like I saw Do the Right Thing. And then I saw it in high school. You know, like I've seen Do the Right Thing schooled. I've, I've, I've seen every Spike movie at least once, you know, and like just the like he's Spike is really crazy and really interesting because like he just he puts his all into everything, you know, like it's almost right. like um, 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 a critic I like put it best, like Spike makes spike makes movies like he's never going to be able to make another movie again exactly like, like almost puts, like it, it makes movie like it's a senior project right like, you like know, he, this is, I, it's the only thing i got one shot right. for great he, he puts every idea every thought every like just like it's just he puts it all on the screen you know like you look at a movie like bamboozled like which is really intense and i like the first time i watched it i had to watch it in like three parts i couldn't i couldn't mm-hmm. handle it it was too much but it's like a lot going on there's a lot going on first off that's one good thing one good and bad thing about bamboozled is a lot going on yeah like but honestly bamboozled is incredible and everybody should watch it it's yep. just it's, great it's just it's just a lot like it, it's 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 sad but he it, definitely it, crammed in he's crammed in stuff like spike has that tendency he'll cram in something towards the end of something like shoot i remember um liking it but i was like what is nelson mandela doing at the end of malcolm x movie? What's yeah. going on? where are we at and we're at an african school like you know he was just so he at the end of bamboozled when he did the um did he do i can't breathe no he did a no. i can't breathe classroom scene at the end of five bloods yeah 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 like that like all right spike I guess you know what I'm saying. Like, what, what, what? How do we get to this class? And it was a fake classroom too. Like, it wasn't right. shot like school. You could tell it was like a set. And I was like, all right, look, look at the like, look at the seats with the. T- I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, so, sometimes it's too much. And like, and and like, there was definitely a period of time where, uh, I want to say from like the mid 2000s up until Black Klansman came out, like that decade outside of like Inside Man, 
he made some really, really bad, movies. bad movies. Like really Jesus. bad. Like, like for a whole decade straight. I was all like, right, wow, let's just like, talk about which ones you want to because let's classify them. All right. So the um Blood of Jesus, obviously. Um terrible. <laughs> so bad. what's that other one? What's the other one? Red something. Red um, hook what? Oh, Red Hook Summer. Yeah, Red Hook Summer. Horrible. Terrible. Terrible, like, <laughs> horrible movie, yo. And it got our man from the YA that left, like, it was a horrible, yeah. Movie. And Mookie like, was as, in it again, like, I was excited about just that. As a like, movie, it was bad. That's where I can't yeah. sometimes I can't even absorb because when it's just bad, like, the dubbing's bad, like, yeah, the scenes are bad, the cues are bad, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a problem, that's a problem. Yeah. So like that's a big problem, and so right. um so that one, the blood of Jesus, it was funny because it was like shot like a school project. If I'm not wrong, like this, yeah, that's what it, looked, <laughs> it looked like a senior thing, not even a senior thesis. Like it looked like a you know junior year project. Like all right, man, let's shoot this right. at night. Nobody's out here. I didn't get it. Maybe I didn't want to. There's I do admit that those movies I end unplugging. Like I don't even want to get it. Like I don't care. Like what's right. going on here. And then so, what else did he make? Shy, you remember Chirac? What about Chirac? Okay, so let me talk about Chirac. Chirac was Chirac, terrible. So. No, I don't think it was terrible. Chirac has, was a, so has, a, has a specific problem. And most people really can't stand iambic pentameter as a full-on thing if you don't know. So when people, what I'm saying is like, remember how Carmen was? When people are talking in rhyme and you yeah. don't know, and then you kind of listen and you're like, wait a minute, are they talking in rhyme? And then you start getting annoyed with it. Rather than just like that's all Shakespeare. He has just right. longer. He has just longer beat sometimes, but it's, he rhymes everything rhymes. But right. it's better read maybe as a book or seen as a play. If you made Chirac into a play, maybe that would come off better. See, and I know you just had a problem with Nick Cannon being a gangster. That was your problem. No, that wasn't my problem. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, well, I, I mean, it's it's a problem, but like, it's, so, so like the iambic pentameter didn't bother me. Like that's okay. not really anything. Like. It's just the, uh, the, pre- like the it's, premise. The premise like, threw you off on that. Like because the premise, like, the premise was off for me. The premise, the premise is bad. Like the acting was all really bad. Like there was a lot of ideas that he wanted to get across, and like a lot of them were either just like really dumb or like not explained well. Like all I remember is me, like like one of my homies bought the shit on bootleg, and we watched. Okay. It. I watched. I watched the shit for free. And I wanted my money back. Your money back. It, it ended. Right, it let me ended ask you a and question. I was like, this, this help is... me understand it. What did you think of She Hate Me? <laughs> um, so I really this is all around she... the same time, right? So, like, we're men. So I want you to know that, and we have to say that. We're guys. Right. So the guilty pleasure of She Hate Me is there, right there. Let's just say that. He tricked us. There's a little trick there with like, okay, who wouldn't oh, be want to be like. You know the sucky bit, but go ahead, continue. I want to. So like, she hate me is a really, really bad movie. But I really, the first I only saw it once. But like, I remember being like, this is like, I don't know why, but I just like had a good time watching it, even though like I knew everything about it was bad. And just like it, it kind of made me sick to be honest. But I was like, I kind of like it. It's weird. I don't know. I only saw it one time. It came out. Shorty, um. To end up playing Callisto, you know, the Spanish shorty who's in uh, Sopranos. I forget her name sometimes. She, this was her first movie. Um, uh, our man, um, 
uh, Falcons in it. Yeah, like, you know Anthony what I'm Mackie. saying? Like Anthony Mackie's in it. Like I can't, I can't stand him either. So like that's, you that's, can't that's, Zilla that's, can't either. That's so funny to me. Zilla can't stand <laughs> me. I don't, I don't mind Mackie. I don't mind him being Marvel. I'm cool with him. Yeah. He's not as bad as Tyrese in the Fast and Furious universe. But <laughs> yeah. I can see where people are thinking that he's like the Tyrese of the, you know, like I see that, but I don't, I don't ascribe to that. But I can that's see fair. That. That's fair. That's fair. Because it's not like Mackie's like deadpan. He's funny. He's just like lowest on the totem pole. Like he's even lower than like Winter Soldier sometimes. And so it's funny. Um, and Tyrese is definitely the lowest. Like he gets the smallest check. <laughs> um, but so, I, so I asked you about he hate me because. We're guys, so the premise of this guy sleeping with a million women, that we're going to be interested in that. But the way Spike shows sex and shows that he's oh, he's had mixed results, if you ask me, oh, over yeah. time. Absolutely. Uh, she, she's got to have it was revolutionary in making the woman the lead and the controlling of all of those sexual relationships. Because I, I don't think anybody had put a woman in that position and shown her having that strength. So right. I was dope. But then the you only- also have. Okay. The only problem, sorry, the only problem I had with she, the original, she's got to have it was um, like the rape scene was just really the really, rape really scene bad. was tough. That was really yeah, tough. That was, and that was bad. It's funny because if you put it more in the modern sense, I don't think it would have been like you put it in the two thousands and nineties, it would have been so jarring. But in the eighties, in the black and white, and her being kind of resistant after her being in power of all these sexual relationships, that was pretty jarring. It was, um, a lot, but yeah, yeah, continue. So like, well, he hate me. So like, but it's also very artistic. That's one of his most artistic ones. Like the premise of what the hell is this? And he funded it and he shot it. So like that alone always makes you think like, well, what was going on here? You know, right. you're going through something with your wife at this time. Like, it seems very like, <laughs> it seems like he's living, there's some catharsis going on with the movie. Like, I feel like mm. he was doing it for himself or one of his sons or something to get them out of this. Pro- I don't know. But again, I never even I never done. even thought about that. I never even oh, thought big about time, that. big time. Like because yeah. it's it's kind of off brand in terms of like what he usually talks about. You know right. what I'm saying? Like it, to me, it's like the spiritual success, um, continuation of like the conversations he was maybe starting in Girl Six. So then you bring up something like he um, he hate me, and then the name of it, the way the phonetics of it all is very interesting that that's in his catalog. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. But again, like, that's yeah. in this period of time that we're talking about very diminishing returns with his stuff. Yeah, like it was, Black it, was, it was like it was like it was like a whole decade. And like even man, I want to talk about this more, but we gotta move on again. But like it's just like fucking what? He, he's he, he's just so interesting, like in, in that way. Like I've never, you know, you know, like he's made some really bad movies, but all of them are like really interesting to unpack. Like, even if it's yes. a bad movie, I'm like yeah it's he he's just he's just a the only one like i think maybe the worst spike lee movie i've ever seen is uh his remake of old boy i thought his remake old, of old boy, boy was, was real. it was bad just because it was just beat for beat and it was brolin so yeah. i don't know if i blame spike or i blame like old boy is definitely a story told once because yeah. all of the shocking stuff you see you see it once and it's not to be like let me see that again. Like, it's not Tenet. Let's unpack it. and Let's rewatch it and see it from a different angle. It's like, okay, he cuts his tongue out once. Like, oh my God, he's sleeping with his daughter once. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the tunnel scene once. So when they remade it, I was interested. I watched it and I was like, you know what? It's pretty much just beat for beat. It's yeah. not that different from the original, but the original was done so well. That actor, he's amazing. I love that guy. What's, I can't remember his name. Yeah, I, can't, um, I can't remember his name either, but he's great. But like, it's, yeah. he's great. Like, he's great. He was in this other joint like called henchman or something like that where he was like this hitman that came out of jail 
he's amazing. So again, that's what makes it work. His his antagonist, that slimy ass um, right. um, skinny dude, he's he is what makes it work. The innocence of his daughter slash girlfriends like that what makes it work. When you just recast it and just do it again, like to me, like the girl with the dragon tattoo. I like all the versions, but I love the first one because yeah, it's me my too. first time seeing her rape the dude and brand him and be um, smart and be in danger, there's real sense of danger. So then when I'm watching the American one, I think they did enough tweaks where I was just as intrigued with the American, but I don't know what's gonna happen. And, right. and, you know, and, I, and the first one's done better. And I'm big on, if I have the time, I felt bad because I didn't do it with Squid Games. I need to watch it in the original language because I need to see how it emotes in the, that language. When you're doing the dubs and all that stuff, and the, um, the, um, the, the alternative uh, vocal stuff, it's just different. Like you're just doing it for your own appeasement, but you're missing when they're being a certain way with a word and how yeah. that word really sounds. So um, yeah, I forgot the original question, but yeah, um, but yeah, oh yeah. But like um, that, that yeah, Spike, he, he's, 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 his flaws make him great. Let's, let's, let's yeah. call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 definitely leave it there. Like before, um, so so what about with music? Like when did you when did you first you yeah. know, you know, you were talking to me, you were talking to me earlier about just like kind of like having all the um just kind of having all the reggae and the rhythms kind of running around, but like when did you first really mm-hmm. start to tap in the music and really like connect with it in that way? More than just I mean, like, oh, it's hard to but it's hard to I grew up in New York City, Brooklyn, so like hip hop was like in the air. So on the right. trains, it was coming out of uh, car windows. It was coming out of, this is the time when people used to put their box, they speak on their first floor window, open the window. So it was just coming out of apartments. I lived around, I lived at an apartment building. So like, there's a lot of people in a lot in a smaller space. It's everywhere. So like, I remember the message and all that. I could get all, you know, sentimental, whatever, white lines. And I remember Run DMC working out, you know, and LL, but our PE struck me like, Public Enemy was really like heavy to me. Just the way, the way um, it was Flavor Flav. So people think it's Chuck. It wasn't Chuck. It was Flav. I wanted to be a hype man when I started. So the way right. Flavor would end Chuck's lines with a different type of cadence, and then be bouncing around. He had his uh, his style that went again, like which with Chuck being like the college graduate with the leather, knowing what he wanted with the hat, and Flav was just like this ball of energy. So I wanted to do that. So when I saw Flavor Flav, pretty much Public Enemy, I wanted to, that's when I was like, yo, this, this rap and shit isn't this for me. But not to be a lead MC, to be background, to be a support. Right. Like, and, 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 you know, like, especially at that time, like being like, like being a hype man was such was a, a, such an important certified thing. position. It was a yeah, certified like, position because like Chuck got to wait until the song starts. I'm at the party getting the crowd ready. You know, we just with the DJ and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm in between songs, doing the banter, doing the jokes. Like that's why, I, like you know. So then, like Freaky Todd, people like that. Like even Fonzworth was like a sophisticated hype man. Um, Spliff yeah. Star is one of the greatest. Like Spliff and Buster's almost psychic when Buster drops out. Spliff finishes and vice versa. Like that's great. That's that tag team. It's not officially on the song. It's not like literally back and forth, but that's that live element where it is back and forth. And you're right. Back then, it would hype man was just as important, you know. Yeah, right. Like I um um I also told this to Zilla. I just wrote the um um <laughs> I wrote the liner notes for uh, Vinyl Me Please's reissue of Fear of a Black Planet, and just nice. kind of like and and just like cool. revisiting that album and just like seeing what like and, 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 like of course like Flav has I think he's only got one song on one there. One solo on there. Nine one one is a joke. joke. Yeah. So solo, like yeah. 
so like so like see, so like seeing him seeing him and chuck do their thing and then like see him get a song and to just like hear to kind of hear him like figuring his place out at that particular moment is just like that's that's that's, that's pretty cool you know like it's a Hell yeah. like yeah, I don't he, know. Just... And, Fl- and Flav knew about iconography. The clock was big. His like yeah. he knew like all right, what is gonna be my signifying thing when people close their eyes? They're gonna think of a hat and a clock. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's and he was that in the public enemy had a logo, so he had his. I remember his was like the glasses, the hat, and the clock, mm-hmm. and stuff. And, and uh, um, you know, time's up. Time, time is now. Like all that shit with the clock. Yeah, yeah, you know boy, saying? yeah, all that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. That that intonation people use that on their songs like yeah it's early on you don't know it but like he was like all right i'm, I'm making a brand and so right. yeah so that when so that's where music started for me i wanted to do that so you know like as like as you're growing up and you kind of have these so so like you have this basis of music and you have this really strong basis with movies too like like as you get older was there a period of time where you kind of noticed that the two of them kind of communicated with each other and like how like one informed the other in a type but of when way. I first started, I wasn't writing rhymes. I was writing like poetry and stuff. I only say that to just give you all my levels of writing at the time. But I was really big on soundtracks for some reason. Like I had the Phenomenon movie soundtrack. I had the Shawshank Redemption soundtrack, and not and and it's funny because you learn about that through hip hop because you buy the soundtracks to uh, Menace of Society. You buy the soundtracks yeah. to um, How High. High school high and stuff like that, and there's hip hop songs on it. The soundtrack to Wait Next Hell was the bomb diggy, and then yeah. with so when so doing that, I said, well, let me buy the soundtracks to other movies I like, and then that's when you learn about scores. And I was like, what's going on here? So I would watch the movie and I'd listen to these CDs of these soundtracks, and it would make me remember what was happening in the scene when this when the music crescendoed or when it plateaued or when it went silent or stuff like seven with sound effects behind it and stuff and so i was like there was a very interesting marriage between music sound and vision and and that's when it it clicked to me because i remember like when i started doing my rap groups in my college years i would pull out those soundtracks with my friends to sample from i'm like yo here's a phenomenon check this track 18 one minute to two minute check this little part out i wasn't the producer but i always was a country i was always trying to contribute to the sound any way i could and so, like, yeah, that was that was the marriage for me when I realized soundtrack scores and movies, all that that big marriage. And then that made me understand Spike more with the selections he would pick, the yeah. stuff that he picked for the Malcolm movie, the stuff that stuff that he would pick when "Do the Right Thing" did that or "Do the Right Thing" did this. The way that he had Brent, he brought in Brandon Marsalis for "More Better Blues" to soundtrack that out. You know, um, the stuff he picked for Black Klansman, like, it's very deliberate about songs and their sound cues. And then, um, I mean, later on in my life, I got into theater real heavy. So I started really learning about sound cues, lighting, um, and stage effects and, you know, storytelling and shit. But yeah, early on, it was that. Wow. Like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, like, that's, like, that'll really do it every time. Cause like, I think so much now, like, I, I remember when I first learned, like, when, like, when you're making a film, 
there's like two different kinds of sounds that happen. It's like a, there's like diegetic sound, which is like a sound where you can like, you can see where the sound is coming from on screen. And then there's non-diet, there's non-diegetic sound, which is like a sound that happens like off camera. Right. And just, and, and just like how that stuff can like create awareness and like that factors into both, like that factors into both like a song made for a soundtrack and a score, you know, like, and and like that, and like that dynamic is so important to rap music in particular. I think I don't know. Like it just, it just feels, it feels, it it just feels like it belongs there yeah, big more time. than it does anywhere else. Like I don't know, it's just weird. Big time. Like I remember certain scenes on um, what's the joint with Jet Li and um, DMX? Oh, um, uh, Cradle to the Grave. Yeah, man, rest in great. peace like DMX the, too. Like. Yeah, rest in peace. And so the way they would slice in certain songs with the action in it works. You know what I'm saying? Even though it could be seen as something stale, it was DMX, it was a rap song, but not nah, like the, the way that stuff works. And I remember the dichotomy of films where it's like set it off, there's certain stuff that the score is doing with the movie as well as all of the banging songs that were on that soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? So I remember realizing the difference between the soundtrack and the score and how, you know, all that narrative, like I was saying before. Right. And, you know, like, I think that, like, that all just, that, that like, that all just fills, that all just fills into the whole general experience. Cause like, cause like, you know, like Cradle to the Grave had a really interesting relationship between the film and the music and something like a uh, Nutty Professor to the Clumps had a great soundtrack that I love. Great soundtrack. Great Such soundtrack. a good like that was it was like uh janet jackson had that's the way love goes on there yep. and um and they uh, were making or, original songs for soundtracks too so sometimes that's the only place you had them. yeah right you know big, like music big so- movie for that was uh i didn't mean to cut you dead press no, dead presidents because yep. that made me get back into the isaac hayes and all of that you know golden soul and stuff and they were using it in the movie it was of that time period Oh, that was that was crazy to me. Man. The part one and part two, Dead President soundtrack was dope because they used a lot of that stuff straight in the movie when they rushed into Smokey's crib and he had he had OD. Yeah, playing Al Green on the TV and that crescendo moment, with all son. the guns. That was crazy. His eyes was wide over. Man, man, and I and I remember that song differently. Look, that happened to me with um. I talk me and Zilla talk about this. I know certain music from watching NBA highlight tapes and what they would use behind mm-hmm. certain players. So Take My Breath Away, they use that on a Jordan highlight thing. That's how I know about <laughs> that song. Um, uh, like the right stuff, they would use that stuff. Not just basketball specific. There was a certain song they used for Charles Barkley. And I don't know, it was like Stacey Ladder song. I would never know this song because that just wasn't my preference except because I was watching these fucking highlights. Right. So yeah, that it'll think that will pull you into other avenues and other places. Totally. Before we move on, you know what's yeah. crazy? I'm I'm about to show my age right now. You know the first place I ever heard Pete Rock and CL Smooth's Troy? Where? Where? NBA the NBA Street 2 menu. NBA music. Street 2, look the second one. <laughs> that that was that was the first time I ever heard Troy. And I was like, was what the song. fuck is this? <laughs> like, I was like, what song. is this? Like, the that shit blew. Everywhere. Yeah, no, I've seen, I, I've seen the video dozens of times, like, now. But, like, yeah, no, I heard it, that. it was big uh, on the radio. And then the video was, like, playing constantly. So it was a big song for them. And, but it was, like, right. their second album at that point. Right. And, yeah. and and that's just, like, such a foundational, like, that's, a, like, to me, that's a perfect song. I love it. It, it, it is one song. of those like, categorically perfect songs. 
the P rock outro, the dedication, like the lyrics. I remember like, you know, everybody knew all of those lyrics that CL was saying, the delivery, the horns. Right. Yeah. It is. Just, just, just like, but, but, but like, you, you just never, you know, that's just to your point about the, the highlight reels. Like, it's just like you just never know where you, you never know what's gonna grab you and where it's gonna grab you, and then it just does, and then it just starts this whole, you just go down a rabbit hole, and it's right. you know it's over at that point. Yes, I indeed. love that shit. Um, so you know, like we mentioned, um, we've mentioned Zilla a bunch of times. Um, I wanted yep. to, um. He told he told me a little bit about how the Wrecking Crew kind of came together, but I want to hear mm-hmm. your side of like how of like how y'all met because like I know I know like you and Zilla in particular had known each other for a while, but like I want to know like how mm-hmm. you and the rest kind of came together and like this the Wrecking Crew, like kind of like an abridged Wrecking Crew story from your perspective. I mean, yeah, well, we don't have like a dazzling origin story because like um, Wrecking Crew basically we're friends and we just happen to make music with each other. Right. So we we've known each other in different capacities for so a certain amount of years, and um, I think uh, me Zilla and Smalls we had separately come to come around till we had all the same management. Um, we didn't plan that, and um, so that made us start spending a little bit more time with each other, and then naturally some collabs happened. Like we weren't all over each other's records, but you know, a Zilla verse here, Smalls beat there, that type of thing. Wrecking Crew was just a better idea after all of us had been in different crews, clans, cliques, collectives and stuff and had horrible, not horrible, but like varying degrees of success and all of that. So that's where it made Wrecking Crew, the friendships should come first. So once our friendships were solidified and we were spending more time with each other, performing with each other, featuring on um, each other's projects, Wrecking Crew was like an organic thing. So it just kind of like, it wasn't like, one day we sat there with a whole bunch of contracts that we're going to do Wrecking Crew. It just started just right. turning into that. Um, who we, um, the company we kept, the company we keep and the company we kept. So it was like who we were around and who stayed around. And who, um, you know, so who persevered. All of the different things you go through as an artist. And so many people fall to the wayside. So many people come up. And so Wrecking Crew had a certain form and then Prem Rock and then Prem was around. Like I said, he, he, he was being consistent and then he joined. And then that's when we just solidified. And Alaska is like our Capadonna. So it's like like an organic thing that just kind of grew off of, like I said, I think Wrecking Crew definitely means the company we keep and the company we've kept, meaning who's stuck around and who stays around. Right. Yeah. And And like y'all, yeah, y'all have formed this like network that like, you know, like it kind of, it kind of extends out to the Backwoods family and Mm -hmm. like it's, but like y'all also have this like little self-contained like collective and just like just like group that's kind of following like you guys specifically which i've always loved and of course you and prem also also do work together as strap now and um like i was always curious about um um, i think i might have asked prem about this too and he gave me an answer about you but like what was it what was it about prem that made you want to form a like just just like oh like we're doing this together like you and me well just um i've said this prem is one of the greatest writers i've ever encountered or ever worked with in my whole career and so therein lies the challenge in terms of us working together because we're going to hold each other up to a great higher standard and again like me and prem coming together was like the best idea we never had 
So when we would tell people, hey, I'm going to work on a project, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Your voices sound great. It just seemed like it just made the best amount of sense. We just never came to that logical conclusion. It was like just sitting there floating and stuff like that. So I don't know what Prem said, but to me, it's like the best idea we never had. And then once we came up with the idea, it just was like so natural and our styles contrast each other really well. We, um, we, you know, we're on the same page with the type of beats we feel like Shrapnel works on. So, yeah. Right. You know, it, you know, like I ran, um, I ran through that first album and that was when I, that, that, that was around the time I really started to pay attention to the two of you, like in oh. particular, and just kind of like oh. absorb what y'all were on. And I was like, wow, like this is, this is different, you know, like just, just like yeah. seeing. Shrapnel is blades, yo, sharp yeah. sword play. That's what we do on Shrapnel. We cutting throats, leaving scars, scars heal up. And then we hitting you again with, with shattered glass. And that heals up, and then you got hit with a shape bomb. So you clean yourself <laughs> out the rubble. It don't stop. It don't stop. Yeah. Right. Like y'all, you know, like, you know, like there aren't, I mean, like duos, duos are supposed to complement each other in a way. You know, like mm-hmm. I feel I I feel like that's what makes a great duo. And just like the two of you, like your styles are so your styles are so different. And but but like they just they just serve a whole. You know, like it's not like it's not like y'all are fighting with each other. Like y'all are just kind of you, you, y'all are taking different directions to get to the same place. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's not easy to do, you know, like and I think that y'all do that together so well. And just like, yeah, it's more like it's more like twin blades. We're, we're very complimentary as opposed to being like confrontational Which in terms cool. of our styles. And so, totally. yeah, we just keep keep honing that. Got the next shrapnel record that's in the oven. Ready. done with that yeah so that'll drop next year that's fine oh, yeah. um before we move on to little robert hutton because i really want to i really want i really want to dive into this as much as possible um yes, i gotta sir. i gotta i gotta ask you i gotta ask you about this fucking arm and hammer verse on on wishing bad like the fucking okay. like wow <laughs> you know like yeah, like yeah, I, like just it like it's just really one of those like like it's really one of those like barn burner guest verses. Like it's like it's just it's one that I haven't stopped thinking about since I first heard it. You know, Thank just you. like yeah, no, nah, no, no doubt. That. Like it's like it's just really. I really just wanted to, like I just I was just curious. Like, did you like when you recorded that? Like, did you expect mm-hmm. the reaction that you were gonna get from that? Because I feel like I feel like people have been talking about that verse a lot this year. You know, um, like. I mean, you know, you don't know. I mean, well, all right. So when you go into, <laughs> when you're doing something on an Arm and Hammer project, you have to come with your weapons armed. You know what I'm saying? Like primed and ready. Like, you know, I don't want to miss your shot. And they go through a really pretty auspicious and kind of tight editing process. So they'll do a gang of songs, but they'll cut songs. Really good songs. So when you go in there, you're kind of like, all right, I don't want my song to get cut. So I want to make a good impression. So I got to come correct on my piece. And coincidentally, the song was like on a bubble for a while. So I couldn't really know if I felt like people would have a good reaction to the verse because I didn't know the verse would come out. Um, and then when I when I heard it was coming out, I was like, all right, cool. And it's funny because I wrote, if anybody knows, it's a short verse, it's only like 12 bars because I was of mind that if it gets cut, and I don't want to write a whole long verse, and then that gets cut, and I'm in my feelings. So right. let me give me a let me give you a short short burst, a little short uh, 
short side, I give you a nice little stab and then I get out of there. And if it doesn't get picked for this project, it's cool. I won't be in my feelings because I, I can be about that. I'm sensitive about my shit and then it'll come out later or whatever like that. I'm not worried. Right, right, right. So yeah, so when I wrote it, I just wanted to make a good impression. Um, I always try to come correct when I'm when I'm sparring with the gods with with Elucid and Woods, and I, um and I take that responsibility really serious. Not like not like saying I, I don't on my own work, but when they when they right. hire me when they when they call me in, it's Black Ops time. It's like you know what I'm saying. It's it's uh it's sonar. We we doing sonar work under the cover of Moonlight. Like fuck around, you know what I'm saying. So I just wanted to come correct, and so I just want to make a good impression. Get in, get out. If the song makes it, cool. If it doesn't make it, I'm not hurting. And that's that's really what the intentions were. Yeah, I get that. And it's funny because I saw you um I saw you share the I saw you share the clip from Widows with fucking Daniel Kaluuya and the cool kids in the gym. Hell yeah. Like, and you he was like, this is how this is how Woods, this is how Woods chooses the fucking verses. This, <laughs> this is how you choose artists, man. Pop your ass. What are you saying? <laughs> you know, beatbox is all what you saying? Nah, um, Woods out. He won't. He won't publicly admit it, but he's a great A and R. He knows he has a great ear for talent. And um, when he when he supports you, when he's backing your project, there's a battery in your back. Um, he like I say, he doesn't talk about it publicly, but he runs his his, his label kind of flawlessly. And so when he's supporting you, you know, he he puts that battery in your back. He's very helpful. He's right there on the ready. So you want to just be like, all right, I got my howitzer, I got my rocket launcher ready, aim, and you know, just point me at the target, Captain. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, like, yeah, I just, you know, just, to, just to see, to see the backwoods community, you know, like all of y'all, really, just like thriving the way you have over the course of the last like two years, mm-hmm. and especially, and and like especially, especially in the wake of like Haram and just all the all the press that's gotten, like it's just like. Mm-hmm. You know, like this, this, this is this has always been here, you know, so like people who've been around for a little minute like me can just kind of like see. So like, validated. Like, you're like, yeah, yo, where, where, where y'all at? Where, I've been around. I love that. Dude. I've been here. Y'all just right. got here. You know what I'm saying? And it's not and it's not even just that. It's just that, like, y'all deserve it. You know, like it's not it, it, it's like, you know, of course, it's validating. But at the end of the day, like y'all make incredible art, like all of you make incredible mm-hmm. art. And I, it's, it's just great to see people who make good art get noticed for it, you know, like, that's, that's, that's why, that's why this exists, you know, like, I want to, I want to really put on however I can. So like, just, yes, sir. Yes, sir. so now, you know, now we're here, let's talk about, let's talk about little Robert Hutton, which like, oh. I, like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I guess like, you know, like, you got I the questions, you- homie, I'll answer them. <laughs> so, so, you know, like. So, so like I was like I was looking over the um I was looking over the thing you wrote about it on your Bandcamp page and you called it an Afrofuturist vision in 3D IMAX, which I think is a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. I I just love, you know, like Afrofuturism is something that I've always I've always been into. So like what um like just because I'm curious, like what what's your relationship to like Afrofuturist like literature, music, and film? Like, did you have like Whoa. a yeah. I'm a novice. I'll admit I'm a novice to it because I love it and it's a new science. But um, at the same time, I understand it in the sense that, like, to me, Afrofuturism is, um, you know, is black present. Like we are the future. So a lot of right. the things that we we handle, it's we're already in, a, you know, we already a couple of leagues past everybody. So to me, I think that's just honoring that and acknowledging that 
and and um, realizing it and you know exposing it to each other. So that's my that's my basic relationship with Afrofuturism. It's just um, the awareness that we are the future, and everything we do is cutting edge. Um, as far as literature and practitioners, I'm still still learning. I'm still here to learn. Right. So I'm still you know still taking it at anything I've got. But like you know what I'm saying, like more mother as peoples. You know what I'm saying, like I, I read this one book, Bitter Root. I think that has a little Afrofuturism ideals in it in a steampunk type of way. You know, um, some of the music that's out there, stuff that like maybe like Dream Crusher does, stuff that like um, yeah. shit, stuff that Fatboy Sharif does, yeah. is Afrofuturism in that. You know, so I just think it's just like it's being present in the Black experience, being a couple of leagues ahead of everywhere, everybody at. We need year three, Andre 3000 wasn't playing with his man. Just made sense. Uh uh-uh. uh, no, not at all. And like, you know, like I assume, well, 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 no, I assume nothing like what. So like you take this idea of Afrofuturism and you and you bring a figure like, you know, you bring a figure like Bobby Hutton into it. And sure. like and, 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 you know, like that, like that, that, that's what caught me about this at first. I was like, damn, like it's 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 just like this because, you know, I'm for everybody not listening. Of course, like Bobby Hutton was one of the original members of the Black Panthers. He was shot. Um, I mean, he was shot and killed during a shootout when he was surrendering, you know, hands up and they gunned him down type shit. So like, mm-hmm. where, so, so like kind of looking so was, into. Okay, continue your question. Finish your question. Oh, yeah. So, so, so I was going to be like, so, so like, where did, so like this story with Bobby Hutton, like, where did, like, where, what inspired you to be like, I want to make an album, if not about him, like named after this named after him like where'd that where'd that idea come from for this project all right well you know twofold um titles are very important to me so sometimes i won't even get um cracking on a project unless i have a title so it, it gives me a destination right. and so um i had to i was flirting around with titles i do name some of my projects after people or events so like i've had a project in the past called tosh my first um official solo cd was called fidel so I'll, I'll do that to set a certain mood so you can get you can kind of figure out what you're getting into. So with little Robert Hutton, it was twofold in the sense that I wanted to kind of honor little Bobby. Um, I always did. I always was a big admirer of the Black Panther Party as a whole and him specifically being like um, the one to take, you know, the original martyr, unfortunately. And so I felt like, all right, so let me take his name. He's a nickname. We use his nickname. Let's give him some more. Dignity and honor, let's stretch it out. So instead of Lil, it's going to be Little. And instead of Bobby, it's Robert, which his name is Bobby's nickname. And Hutton is his proper last name. So that's what we're going to call it. And then I try to come up with a premise just as an ideal point that people can have, whether it's the producers I was working with or any anybody that was writing for it. I say, yo, what if little Bobby was equipped with Afrofuturism weaponry of today back in, um, against Hoover and all his demon kind? Like, what, what would the outcome be? Because um, COINTELPRO, you know, it's a horrible day where they did a good job. So I felt mm-hmm. like if they were, if, if Lil Bobby and them were more equipped, would the outcome be different? And I know it would be. So that was the premise. And so that's where the title comes from. And that's where some of the, um, some of the imagery comes from. But again, it was just like an overarching type ideal because I try to go different places on the, on the record as a whole. Yeah, and you definitely did, you know, like, like just before I even press play on it, I was going through all the titles and, you know, like I'm just looking at the song titles, like, 
you know, like mm-hmm. AAVE and Saltfish. Like yep. that's that's hilarious to me. Isn't it funny? You know? that's good. Thank you. <laughs> laughing at that shit. I love it. Like, anybody had like Aki, and I said you can pronounce how you want. So you know Aki and Saltfish. That's all right. You know, what comes yeah. before Saltfish? Not many things. Okay. So Aki and Saltfish. And I was like, what is that? I said, oh no, AAVE. I, I, I was watching something and it came on and it was like this fight for it, a battle for it. I was like, all right, that works. Right. Yeah, nah, it's 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 just so funny because I was um um a while ago, like a minute, minute, minute ago, I was talking to my girlfriend about the whole thing and like she hates fish. So like I was like <laughs> so, so I was like explaining to her like what hockey and saltfish is, and she was just like, you like no, it's more of a stew and it's vegetables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, it, it it is what it is. Though. But you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, like just like. Just like, just like, like between like AAVE and Saltfish, and like F stands for Hampton, and you know, of course, mm-hmm. like the big, uh, and, and like the big one that I feel like ties into the overall theme of the project. Killmonger was right, you know, like type shit. Mm-hmm. Just, just like, I'm like, I'm also like a big proponent on song titles, and like, yeah. e- e- even if, even if, uh, even if the title has nothing to do with the actual song, I just love a good attention grabbing song title. Like that's why I like. And yeah, there's songs. a lot. See, I knew gonna bring up crack. Cause there's yeah, a lot like, to, to song titles, but um, Lord um Lord John Monta, um, I can't always say his name. Lord uh, John, Ag- yeah, Jamonte, yeah, Lord Jamonte, Lord, Lord Jamonte. Yeah. Ag- shout out to Daddy. shout out to John, he's great. He's and his song titles are a crazy grill. His joints, he, wow. <laughs> once once he said, "Yo, I could put a comment in." All right, Bob, watch this. I'm gonna give you like so. <laughs> I'm gonna give you this whole dichotomy. I'm gonna give you triple entendres because I got comments in my titles. You know, just to extend oh. the idea. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, titles are pretty important to me. Um, definitely by the time I hit people up for features, the song does have a title. Um, that's usually part of my premise when I ask for people to um, get on things for me. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's important to me. So that gives you a destination, uh, a vantage point to hit when you're looking. Right. And I think like, I think in general, um, this is, to me, this is probably the most ambitious thing you've ever done. It feels, oh, it, feels it feels like just just like from your description and just like the way the album kind of plays out, like there's just like, you know, like it feels like it like it almost feels like your Spike Lee type of thing where it's like you, you ideas and a lot of thoughts you want to get out and like you're putting them all into this project. Like it just feels like there's so much like I like I don't even know, like 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 while I was writing it or, or while I was listening to it and trying to like take down notes and shit I was like I didn't really even know like what to grab to talk about because I was just like there's just a lot going on here you know like appreciate that yeah I mean this is my what I call my black angst album if you, if you want to know about what I feel about our, our condition and what I feel about black excellence is right here and it also was um my least like I made this record in terms of like I didn't ask for anybody's help arranging it. I didn't ask for anybody's help with um, editing the um, the song title, structures, anything like that. These were all all the final decisions with my features, all of that. And sometimes I enlist other people's help. A lot of times we'll do a project and I'll get my wrecking crew brethren. I'm like, yo, can you arrange this for me? I have no idea. Like you working on a project so much, sometimes you lose um, sight of the forest or the trees. So giving it to yeah. your man and letting them objectively look at it is, is very helpful. But this one, I didn't want that. I wanted to make all of the final decisions. I was in on all of the mixes. Um, I sent the master and all to the wonderful Willie Green. Shout and my man, I Live. I Live mixed it, shout out I Live. And then I mastered it with Green. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Green and the Greenhouse. 
And, but I, I wanted to make all of the final decisions. So that's where all of the ideas come in. That's where the, the wordplay comes in. Um, I was worried because it's not a shrapnel record and shrapnel at that point had been my most popular project. So right. it's not a lot of that sword play. This is, is, I'm a blunt instrument on Little Robert Hutton, you know what I'm saying? As opposed to being like a blade. Right. And I like that style, you know, like I think, uh, you know, like you work, but you work by yourself. Like you don't need me to tell you that, but like you work by yourself, you know, like it's not Indeed. like, <laughs> um, and you know, like, was this, so like, was this your first time kind of like making all these decisions by yourself? Yeah. I mean, like I said, in the past, I'll enlist my brothers or, you know what I'm saying? I'll have other people in on the executive producing and things of that nature. And that, 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 that turns into a bevy of different things, but this record, definitely was my vision from top to bottom. Um, I can't, you know, for me coming up with the ideas, just the title to executing it all the way to the last track. This was solely my vision and I wanted it to be that way. Um, right. I just tried to make a point to myself about this record and, and it was a big record for me because it was, um, like I said, the, 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 the black condition is very important to me. I live it and I experience it and I want to be able to express it. And so being able to have a record like this and use that as that portal was really important to me. So I put a lot of pressure on myself. Again, I didn't know how people were going to take it. I was a little worried. You could ask Zilla that. I was bothering him for months about, oh, I don't know if they're going to like it. It's not shrapnel. I was in my head and shit. And so, but you know, that, like any good music, you got to let it out into the world and they'll let you know. And so I hope I did good. You did, you know, at least by me, you did good. Like I really Appreciate enjoy that. this project a lot. And um, I just, I'm just like knowing knowing the stakes that were kind of behind it for you personally is like that makes me that that makes me think about it and appreciate it even more because like it's it's like it's hard it's hard putting art out into the world regardless of like how like crazy it it, it winds up being but like you know like I guess uh, one of the last two questions I have for you before we wrap this up is like you know this is yeah like you already said this is like a really important and like heavy process for you like did you wind up like did you walk away from this learning anything new about yourself like is there like is there anything that you kind of you were like surprised that you could do or like you could say or you were capable of like I mean the one thing is like, I have a little more faith in myself but I think that just comes with being an artist like you're gonna have your ups and downs and doubts and so this project really you know I know what I'm doing like that's definitely one thing I learned about this project is I know what I'm doing and I can trust my instincts and I won't be let down. Like I've had a long history rapping and stuff. And sometimes you trust your instincts and you don't have the results that you want. It makes you distrust your instincts when you should not, you should double down. Like your instincts are good. Just go with that. You're, you're okay. Um, I also, you know what I'm saying? Like there was some, you know, some experimentation, I think like, uh, um the switchness there was a whole science that went into making that record about gentrification and shit um yeah. but like I, I with this album i learned that there's certain songs that um and not to i have to use third person to express this that there's certain songs that curly castro makes and only curly castro makes and that's okay and i can rely on those songs because you know it's just that was, those are my instincts like i said earlier and i don't have to be afraid of that I don't have to be like, oh, I don't know if people are going to get it or whatever. I can just put it on my project and, and let it rip and stuff. So things like um, Cujo taught me, they work, you know, even though that's like 
I don't know if anybody will get it, but you know, that's just what I want to do right there. Um, songs like Owens works, people get it. Um, so yeah, just have faith in, um, in your instincts, go with your, you know, you, like you're saying, go, go with your artistic bent. If you have a style, stick with your damn style, um, learn to love your style. I think this album taught me that, you know, learn to love my style again and again. And that just makes me want to be sharp and want to be better. Yeah. And like having, you know, like having that trust in yourself is like, like trusting yourself is a process, you know, like some people just kind of trust themselves off rip and there's never a second guess. And it's just like, oh, like, this is what I need to do. Or, this is what I yeah. want to do. But, but like, that's a personality thing. Some people like, right. he's like, oh, man, I don't know. I need to edit. You know what I'm saying? With some people, like, ah, that's it. Bomb is done. Right. You know, everybody process is different. No doubt. You know, like ver- very last question for you. Like, how do you like, like now that it's been out for it's, it's been like a couple months at this point. About so a month, like, a month and a half, give or take. Oh yeah, okay, 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 yeah. okay. Sorry, T- time, time is a flat circle. <laughs> you know it is. You know it is, yo. But like, so like it's so like it's been you know you like you know, like it's it's been out for some days, some some um like a month and a half at this point. So like, you know, like how do you like kind of surveying the fucking response? Like, how do you mm-hmm. feel? How like how do you feel about it? And how do you feel about yourself? now that this like really like personal project of yours is like out in the world like do you like are you happy with the reaction like are you happy like like are you well first i want yeah 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 um first i want to say like i'm grateful that anybody was rocking with me and and dug the blades i appreciate every single iota support every molecule of of, um, appreciation you know you put your vision out there and you hope people see it so i'm with that um Damn, I, I just had what I was gonna say. Um, and then, I, you know, I'm just, I, I'm just grateful that people are rocking with the kid. You know what I'm saying? I've been at it for a while. And um, and it's just, it's good to see that your, your idea is still working. Um, damn, I just had the fucking answer. What was I gonna say? Tell me, say, ask the question one more time. Oh, shit. Um, so just like, how do you, like, do you feel that, uh, like, like since the album's been out, how do you mm. like, 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 how do you feel about the reception, and how do you feel about yourself? Oh, well, bomb, bomb. The, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah. It. Okay. Um, one is a great sense of relief. I just wanted to get the thanks out there first. So, like, a yeah, big yeah, sense yeah, of yeah. relief. Big sense of relief. It was a big. Um, it was it was, it was an auspicious project for me. Um, I took some risks, and I'm glad that they landed. So, big sense of relief. I'm glad people are rocking with it. I'm glad people are believing in the brand. Backwards is um, we here to stay. You know, we're just gonna keep getting bigger, better, sharper, more creative. We building a planet. So make sure you got your tickets to the spaceship and shit. Mm-hmm. And um, this project makes me grateful for Primrock's project because these are like companion pieces, so people can listen to Little Barry Crow's feet and Little Rob Hutton kind of together and figure out the sciences to that. And learn more about shrapnel if they're interested. And I think it was um it's a decent stuff for wrecking crew. Gotta hold up my part of the bargain with my turn. You know what I'm saying? We got Zola Rock and Small Professor up next, but never at peace. It's their turn. So Hell you yeah. up to bat. You wanna um you wanna strike really hard, you wanna hit that lightning bolt back, you wanna, you know what I'm saying? You wanna send that ball over the green monster, if you will. So that's you know, that's how I feel about it. Right. And you know, like this, like I think. 
like I think this is an incredible time for like all of y'all but like you specifically considering how long you've been around and like I love like I love the fact that you're so far into your career already and you're still like taking risks and taking chances and it just feels like it really just feels like you're just getting started like you can't put out a project like you know like um like little Robert Hutton and just like that doesn't just come from nothing, you know, like you could tell there was like a lot of thought and care and like craft put behind it. And to see you still kind of like figuring out your boundaries and like still pushing further, you know, like yes, so far into your, like, that's, that's amazing to me. Like, like, like that's Appreciate just, that. that's really powerful to be able to still test your limits. Like, yeah, not I mean, it's just, like, yeah, um, like, you know, shit. What did they say? Uh, <laughs> what's the uh, Tupac? Step up, step, step up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, and that that to me goes into like building a pyramid. Like Enhotep said, you know, one step up, one step up. So that's what I yeah. think about. And so if you keep hitting that level, you got to go up even higher and, you know, just keep trying to make that good music um, as best as you can, you know. And, it, and you know, it's uh, our peer work, you know. I, I'm part of Wrecking Crew. Um, Backwood supports me. Like I got, you know, I, I got fan a fan base that believes in what I'm saying and what I'm doing. So I got a lot of people that I always that I'm responsible. You know, I'm responsible for this work. I got to put out the best foot forward. You know what I'm saying? That's just Man. what I try to do. And you've been doing that, like, and you know, like I don't, I don't, I don't got any more questions. But just like Castro, this was this was great, son. Like, wow, no, no you know, doubt, like. Man, I'm glad, man. I was, I was hoping, hoping I did good. You know what I'm saying? I knew, I, I knew this was gonna be cool because I was already a fan of your music, and I knew, and I knew like we were, I knew we were already into a lot of the same shit. And like, I just, I just once again, like the fact that you know, like shout out to all of y'all because like y'all have really been like you said, you've been holding me down, and I'm trying to do the same for you guys, however I can. So like, thank you. Thank you. Th- thank you for being interested. Thank you for the music and just like what you do, because like what you do is really important and people give a shit. So like just Appreciate that, you, brother. You know? Yeah, man. <laughs> so my final shout out is Wrecking Crew is the illest. Backwoods Army is here to stay. We have occupied many a territory. And we're coming over to, you know, so just be careful. And um, you know, call our culture. You know what I'm saying? Keep tuning in. We appreciate all the support. That's all I got. You know what I'm saying? Go get the record if you ain't got it. We got CDs yeah, and that. shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, CDs should be shipping sometime next month. You know, with the glut, just bear with us and stuff like that. Right. Um, Prem Rock got a CD version of his record coming out. There's more in store backwards. I wish I could tell y'all. Shit's crazy. Ah. It's crazy behind the scenes. But uh, um, y'all will y'all know soon enough. And I think everybody will appreciate what we got cooking in the furnace. Just don't say anything bad about Doom between now and then, people, and everybody. Will <laughs> just, just don't do that. <laughs> no, doubt. no doubt. Watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. The tradies is oh, excuse me, not a tradies. More deep. More <laughs> Thanks for listening. Shout out to y'all for making it this far, and shout out to all the black people listening too, because y'all really impeccable. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and tell a friend to come through next time. One.